intergenerational community is the hippest, oldest thing out there. Welcome to the Answers from Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Llewellyn. I'm excited to bring you the best and brightest answers from leadership from around the world. Now let's get started. Today's guest on the Answers from Leadership podcast is Zach Yenser. Zach is the founder and curator of 100 Creative Cities, an online learning network for churches and leaders who want an intergenerational creative church that launches people and ideas. He's also the author of Creative, Designing Churches that Engage Generations Together. He believes there's a bigger why and a better way for engaging millennials and future younger generations in the church. He and his family live in Tucson, Arizona. Zach, is there anything else you want listeners to know about you? You know, I think the latest, most exciting thing is my family expanded. So my wife and I had our uh, first little baby girl, uh, first baby of any kind, Congratulations. <laughs> uh, almost two months ago. So we're enjoying that process and nice. enjoying to know her and hanging out. That has to be a big change for, for the family. Huge. <laughs> you know, this is the Answers from Leadership podcast. What would your definition of leadership be? Yeah. My definition of leadership is someone who can uh, offer a clear vision of where the organization needs to go and the tools to execute on that. And I've often been a part of organizations where I felt one of those was missing. There was either great vision, but um, low on execution, low on making it happen, or there was great operators, but not a vision to really uh, sink my teeth into. So my definition of leadership would be someone who can cast a vision and provide the tools to execute on it. I love that definition. Your new book, Creative, was recently released. Can you tell us what the book is about? Yeah. The book is really trying to offer a bigger why uh, and propose a better way for engaging uh, this current young generation, millennials, um, in the church. And I started out really um, interested in helping older leaders of actually businesses and companies understand uh, millennials as a generation and uh, what they need and what's on their heart. Um, and then I had this thought of, um, well, wait a second, there's a bigger story happening here uh, that throughout time, um, organizations that have changed their world in a changing world have been deeply intergenerational. It was being intergenerational that allowed them to have the impact that they had. And so the bigger why for engaging millennials, especially in the church, isn't so much, well, we'll lose if we don't have them, but can really understanding how our churches are intergenerational and need to be intergenerational with this generation as a catalyst. If we can do those things, can we set up, in this case, the church for 50 to 70 years of deep impact, uh, a collection of people whose calling and purpose are being launched and whose impact is being felt uh, in the community. And I really felt like millennials are, are really showing what the next 50 to 70 years of the church looks like. And so if we can understand all these pieces using the concern and the angst we've had over this 20 to 36 year old generation, um, we can really redeem uh, the effort and the time um, and really set ourselves up as churches and organizations for a huge impact. And so that was really the heart uh, behind the book. One thing you mentioned, you said that 
you, you're trying to get back to the intergenerational community of the church, and I'm guessing probably the world. I mean, it seems strange when you think about it. We used to have a lot more community that was intergenerational. Families were sticking together. Now they're moving apart. Um, do you have any ideas on why we, we don't have the intergenerational community that we used to have? Yeah, I think you nailed it. I have sometimes at least said in my head that intergenerational community is the hippest, oldest thing out there. <laughs> um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like in the book are necessarily new ideas. I mean, when uh, Paul was uh, guiding Titus and Timothy uh, in the Bible towards planting churches, this need for intergenerational community was, was woven um, throughout it. Uh, organizations that have changed their world that are non-church related have been incredibly intergenerational. This thought isn't new, but I think we've gone away from it as we decided to segregate and split generations off uh, based on what we thought were different needs um, and different desires. And um, I remember a blog post that really took off. I didn't think it would, but it did, was the illusion of a multi-generational church, that you can have generations in the same space who are disconnected in life and reality. They're on the same campus at the same time, but they're not learning together. They're not growing together. They're not maturing together. Um, and I think part of the reason why a huge heart for the book is for the older leader is exactly what you're hinting at here, that for some reason, uh, at least in our churches, Older individuals have come to feel that they're not valued, they're not wanted, and have a um, uh, don't have as much of a desire to engage with the younger generations. There's a lot of fear, a lot of concern, a lot of stereotypes, and I think just over at least a few decades, those things have built up to such a level that we're so unable to communicate with each other. And so, part of the real desire for the book is to break some of those walls down and to highlight the similarities and also highlight the unique generational traits that we can all come around and, um, and, and really cast that new vision forward. How has this lack of intergenerational community hurt the church? Yeah, there's, there's, a, couple of, there's a couple of key ways. Uh, the first big way is I really think that the pendulum uh, uh, moves from side to side uh, when the generations aren't engaged uh, together. And so um, even 20 years ago with Gen X, we said culture is changing, world is changing, Gen X doesn't want any part of the faith. And so we crafted these church environments, church services, worship experiences um, that really separated from kind of the meta-narrative of our faith, the hymns, the liturgy, um, a lot of those experiences. And I, I, I think we may be in a period where we swing hard the other way. And I think when our generations aren't together, we're tempted to say, well, the future is in this direction. So we're going to head in this direction. We're going to be behind those of a different age, of a different era. Um, the Harvard Business Review did a survey that said diverse organizations are so much more effective because of the tension that comes from different ideas, different perspectives. When you don't have those different ideas, different perspectives colliding with each other on a regular basis, you set yourself up for an organization that is unhealthy, unstable, 
and not able to rapidly meet the challenges and needs of its community um, and, and base. And so I think massive culture shifts with the organization happen. You're not able to execute mission because you don't have uh, a diversity of ideas and perspectives. I think it's, it's a legitimately weaker organization when the generations are not together. That's some scary stuff there. It almost seems like churches are shifting back to you know more scripture-based, preaching from the Bible. You know, the leadership are doing expository teachings more often. Have you found that to be true? I have. Um, and I think that we're just looking at millennials right now. They're really desiring and wanting uh, that deep understanding of their faith. Um, there uh, is a real desire to both be the blessings and grace of God and also the harsh reality of our faith walk. And um, I think for the first time in maybe a couple of decades, we're back at that place where we really take an expository, holistic view at our faith, at the Word of God um, and the uh, the Trinity <laughs> again. And, and so I, I'm totally, that's the trend that I'm seeing as well. Um, and I think in all things, when it comes to multiple generations, it doesn't have to be an either or. I really do think it's a both and. Um, another hot topic is worship in the church realm specifically. I know a lot of older individuals who really love the fresh expressions of worship that's happening now. I know a lot of millennials in their early 20s who will go to church and raise their hands to the old hymns. And it doesn't have to be either or. I, I think that there can be this uh, multiplicity of faith expressions in an intergenerational church because there's a humility and an honor of each other that creates the space to enjoy each other's ideas and perspectives. So I think the intergenerational church, this will be Christian speak, uh, is a real way to reflect Christ, is a real way to uh, embody the humility um, and honor that, that Christ desires for his whole church. And how does that play into having a creative church? The um, creative church um, was this sense that uh, really on the hearts and minds of especially the millennial generation is a desire to connect uh, their faith and work, is a real desire to see how their faith on an individual level um, uh, applies to their Monday through Saturday life. Um, and also this kind of trend and idea, I think, that's happening that the church can be a real incubator, can be a real catalyst uh, for um, creative, entrepreneurial, for-profit, non-profit development space that has exponential impact. And so I think uh, the book in the very first part, uh, looks at some culture shifts that are happening, some generational shifts that are happening, and some intra-church shifts that are happening um, that point to the possibility moving forward of churches that engage generations together to launch people and ideas, that church is just not for a Sunday or Wednesday experience, but it's an all-of-life uh, physical space and people space that bring generations together to come up with better ideas that really meet the pressing needs of our communities. And so that's the idea of a creative church with the basic foundation that when the generations are together, 
you are more creative and you are more effective in fulfilling your mission. And so that was kind of the idea behind the creative church, that our communities are really calling out for the church to be a convening collaborative space where the generations tr truly come together to launch people and ideas. That's so exciting. So exciting and so refreshing to hear. And I know in creative, you share a three-part framework to having a creative church. Mm -hmm. What are the three parts to the framework? Yeah, definitely. The three parts to the framework are things that uh, I think any organization can apply. And in fact, uh, the metaphor for the book right off the bat is the um, Bottega in Renaissance Italy. And it looks at um, the, this three-part framework and how it really sets up organizations that apply it to have long-term impact in a changing world. And if you look at cities, companies, churches, offices, anywhere that's having outstanding impact, you'll probably see this three-part framework at play. Um, the first part is that you have an incubative space. Simply, you've got people and their ideas physically banging into each other <laughs> on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, it's why I think co-working spaces, open office design, uh, things like that. Cities work because of this. You've got enough people and ideas all in the same space consistently uh, kind of colliding into each other. Uh, and then you have mentorship in that space. That's the second part of the framework that you have uh, both older, younger mentorship, but you also have the relational learning that comes from an older individual being open to having a younger person mentor them in areas that they're weak in. And so uh, this um, um, mentorship uh, component is really there. For the church, I think there's an opening for what we call in the book professional mentorship. So it goes beyond just the spiritual component, but says if you're a older lawyer, can you show a younger lawyer to want to be in the church how to do that well, how to do that with a faith basis. If you're a business person, you know, a younger entrepreneur, if you're an older teacher and you know a person in uh, teaching college at their university, can we connect our faith and work together and bring each other along in those ways that really hit to the core um, of our personal identity uh, and faith there? And then the third part of the framework is investment. So often uh, you'll hear about not just the church, any organization say, Joe, you've got a great idea. You're, you're a great guy. Uh, run with that. Can't wait to see what you do. Um, and at, at the surface, that seems really encouraging. Well, hey, he believes I can do it. But there's no physical investment. He's not saying, you know, Joe, within uh, our church or within our, within our company, here's the uh, four things that you can do to approach an older executive with that idea, an older pastor with that idea. Um, there's not a linking of financial resources or human connections. They just kind of say, go with God, you're awesome, be blessed. But there's no investment to make that happen. And what we've seen in organizations and churches and cities and companies is that if that third part of the framework isn't there, there can be incubation, there can be mentorship. But if there's not an investment to finish off that trifecta of um, collaborative space, where mentorship and generational uh, uh, collision are happening, uh, and then uh, investment and intentionality 
So the third part of this framework is investment. And you've probably felt it. It's happened to me um, in our churches or organizations where we'll say, you know, Joe, you've got a great idea. I think there's something there. You're a great guy. You're going to do great things. Go with God. Be blessed. And it just kind of stops there. There's not a um, kind of putting uh, your body where your mouth is at, so to speak, to really uh, either connect you with the financial or human resources to uh, make that idea or, or, or make your um, vision uh, come to life. And so what we found is that in organizations or cities or companies where the first two parts are in place, but there's no investment, uh, there, it really lacks that launching um, uh, element of the, of the framework. And so when you have uh, a collaborative space where the generations are together uh, and they're connecting great people and ideas with the resources to get those things off the ground. You're seeing uh, massive impact. And so that's the three-part uh, creativity framework that we break out in the book and in this case apply it directly to the church. You mentioned that a lot of organizations and churches struggle with that third piece, the investment portion. What can we do to help organizations and churches see how important the investment piece of this framework is? Yeah. Well, one thing that um, that shows up in the book, and I keep using that phrase only because you're hitting on so many good points, Joe, <laughs> of things that were really kind of on my mind as I was writing it, is it, it often seems like in the church um, we fall so far behind um, where our community is going. It, uh, I don't know about you, but I've often felt in church, like for all the great work that we do, it, it, it just never seems to get ahead of the massive uh, problems uh, and challenges uh, that our communities face. And I've definitely sensed that on a city level in my city where for all the good work and seed sown um, that the church community was doing, we were still behind when it came to issues of justice and development and growth. And so I think a big inspiration for uh, investment is not only that the the DNA of that is in is in the Word of God, but there's definite uh, implications in our communities if we don't invest in people and their ideas to meet and get ahead of the challenges um, that we face. We'll continue to feel like we're constantly rebounding and reacting instead of effectively responding. And you know something we've been hitting on here is that you know this framework it, it almost sounds like it can be used in the church or in a business organization as well. Is that true? Definitely. It uh, it crosses over for sure. And do you think, believe that's like with any organization or church, or are there specific churches and organizations that the framework works better for? I really think that it can work in any church or organization. Um, and that's not to say that it's a silver bullet. That's just to say that I think it can be applied in a small church in a suburban area or a big church in an urban area or whatever that looks like outside the church and organizational level. Um, as long as you have a community of people, the opportunity for a creative church is there or a creative organization uh, is there. And if a church or organization wants to implement this, this framework, how do they begin the implementation? Yeah, you know, in fact, the implementation is um, pretty crazy because you can start this big, hairy, audacious uh, endeavor in really small ways. And so I think at first, this can seem like, wow, this is, uh, this is a lot all at once. But starting big really happens in this case by starting small. 
Uh, and so we encourage um, a, a church, I'll just use a, a church for this example, to really look at the assets they have on hand. You know, maybe it's a small church plant and they don't have the assets to maybe start kind of a fund like I know some churches do to seed and support ministry initiatives that come out of the pews. But maybe they have a core of really dedicated people, um, older individuals who want to reach back and connect with younger individuals. Um, that's a great um, uh, foundation for mentorship. Uh, maybe you you don't have a uh, a huge huge church or huge assets, but you have a church building. So that can be a place on a Thursday that is opened up to both your uh, church and uh, outside community there to be a physical space that brings people together. Or maybe like some churches I've worked with, the those other two components aren't as strong, but they are an investing church. Maybe you have a lot of solid business people or donors or supporters who want to find one or two millennials and come alongside them and say, I'll mentor you and I want to connect you to my networks and I want to provide some preliminary resources because I believe in you. And so what we kind of encourage is at least take a look at what parts of this framework that you can begin? Look at the assets and the strengths that your church already has or organization already has and figure out what small pieces you can start today and just start and start uh, kind of playing with it and seeing um, how it goes. And so that's an encouragement that we have is to not feel like this all has to happen tomorrow. Um, but that as long as you're considering the elements of the framework, you're well on your way uh, to seeing the vision of an intergenerational community that is super effective come uh, come to pass. That's awesome. I, I especially love that the, the mention of opening up the church doors on a, on a regular weekday when the church isn't typically being used by the church itself. I mean, you know, we have yeah. these assets that are just sitting empty, you know, what, six days out of seven? Um, mm-hmm. You know, why not bring other people into that fold, right? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and again, something that was really on my mind a couple of years ago as this was all coming together was there's so many voices out there uh, critiquing and criticizing the church especially. And I didn't want to be one of those. All the things that we're talking about celebrate what in this case God has given to the church. It really celebrates the opportunities that the church has and the things that are already existing that can be catalyzed. Um, to really pursue our mission as the church in an even uh, better way. And so I always hope that that's clear, that this isn't coming from a place of, here's what you're not doing, but here's what we could do. Right. You know, and I, think, I think we just get in that mindset where we don't think about these type of opportunities. And, you know, what yeah. better way to reach the world than to offer some space for them to come into? Yeah. And as we're wrapping up, you know, i got two more questions for you. What do you wish you would have known about leadership in your early 20s? Hmm. Hmm. That's a really good question. And I'm not sure why it's hard to not come up with something quick because I'm only a couple years away from my early 20s. <laughs> um, um, but I think uh, something that I wish I would have um, known about uh, leadership is that it really, you know, this would be it, is I, I think... Leaders feel like they have to do everything well when there may only be a strength or two that they're really strong at. And I, I, 
I feel this tension a lot of, I, I'm very aware of the things that I'm weak in. Um, but, um, I wish I would have known that the key is really to double down on my strengths. And then part B of that is to do a much better job of finding people who complement, who are strong in my weaknesses, um, and really understand that organizations are a combination of different strengths, not just one or two people who have all of the strengths, because that's just not um, the way that it actually works. So I think if I had known that earlier on, um, I would have done um, a lot more more effectively. Great answer. And do you have any parting words of wisdom for listeners today? I, I would say that whatever you are working on, whatever you are doing, um, can only go so far on an individual level. Um, that it really takes a community of people. It takes mentorship. It takes people who are willing to take a flyer on you. Um, it takes having people who have vision that other people don't um, about the things you're passionate about. Um, that really discovering and fulfilling our purpose is less about us as individuals um, and more about the environment that we put around ourselves. And so um, uh, I think that that would be my, my parting wisdom um, and um, is really something that I think is woven through um, this creative church concept, that environment is vital and we can only go so far individually. Well, Zach, it's been great chatting with you today. If listeners enjoyed what they've heard, how can they connect with you online? Well, there's a couple of ways. My uh, social media handles for both Facebook and Twitter are at Zach Yenser. And then I also blog over at 100creativecities.com. And I'd love to interact with you over there. Um, and then also the, the, the book has launched and it's a short um, 5% body fat read <laughs> um, designed to start a conversation. And I'd love to um, uh, have that in your hands and to, and to keep thinking these things through together. So those would be the four key ways you can get a hold of me. All right. I'll make sure to have the, the link for the book and your social media channels and your website linked up in the show notes. So it'll be easy for the listeners to find them. Great. Thanks, Joe. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks again for being on the show, Zach. It's been a pleasure, Joe. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us on episode 38 of the Answers from Leadership podcast. Zach unloaded a lot of great information on us. One of the most profound things I heard Zach mention was how multi-generational churches or organizations aren't working because of the way they're structured. As a church or business leader, you really got to stop and think, are we being multi-generational or are we being intergenerational? I hope you had a thought-provoking moment as well while listening. If you did, send me an email at joe at jmlalone.com to let me know what stuck out to you during this episode. To get the show notes for today's episode, you can go to jmlalone.com slash 038. There you'll find the leadership questions and answers from today's episode, tweetable quotes, and much more. Until next time, continue to lead well.